Hey, we are starting a new series, and we're going to be looking at um, this thing called Heart Attack. And um, when I look at, at what we are as, as Christians, as believers, to me, I, I believe that this, is, this cuts right to probably some of the biggest um, things we have to deal with, and it is these heart issues that we have. So we're going to spend some time through this series, just looking at what Christ had to say about it, um, stepping up to the plate and dealing with our own heart issues, because we all have them. It's just a matter of, of kind of looking at them and examining them. And, and our prayer is that through this, the Holy Spirit will, will work with each one of us on our heart issues and um, uh, bring wholeness of heart is huge. And that he would just bring health into us through this thing. Um, I was looking at, at kind of some of the past sermons. And I'm like, I feel like I say the same thing. So I, I apologize on some of this. But it, it cracks me up because I, I, do, I did grow up in church. And then I became a pastor. And so I, I laugh at a lot of our culture. Um, how many understand we have a culture in church? Anybody? If you've been here long at all, you know we have a, a culture. We have things that culture would be like the things that are norm for us to do. We don't even think about them. We just kind of do them, and it's just what we do. Like right now, you're kind of looking this way. You're not standing and, and singing anymore. Why? Well, because, you know, oh, it's time to sit down. We, we're done singing. Well, so we, we, we just did some kind of karaoke thing where we stared at the screen and, and stared. We were but karaoke, we don't even think about it as karaoke. It's like, we just did worship. Oh, it was great. Yeah, but if it's not part of your culture, it's, it's kind of odd. <laughs> what are we doing? We know how to get along um, pretty good in an environment like this because we learn the behavior and what, how to dress. We learn what words to say, maybe what conversations not to have. Um, we learn all this stuff, and it's, it's almost like this behavioral modification that we go through. And if you've been in church long enough, you know it's part of life. How many understand that you can be staring at me right now and not hearing a word? Anybody? Yeah, you didn't raise your hand. You're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, Part of this is we just get, we kind of get trained. And it's easy that this is our Sunday morning routine. And even though it may be hectic and you didn't want to be here today and the family went crazy, this is what we do. We get up and then we drag and we, we sit down here and then we go out to eat maybe afterwards. There's, there's patterns in our culture. It was the same way back in Jesus' day. It was part of human nature. They were really involved in a lot of religious culture. Jesus comes in the middle of this, and this is what I love about Jesus, is that he steps into what was just kind of like this normal, everyday pattern, and he messes with them. I love that. I, I, that is my dream as a pastor, is to mess with your normal life. I, I, I don't want... I don't want to be a, a normal pastor. I probably never will be a normal pastor. Um, you have to start off normal. So that's, that's my, my thing. I think that Jesus stepped into what was norm and he shook it up because they got used to doing behavioral change and what they really needed was some heart change. And we as Christians, we as a religious body, a lot of times we adapt so quickly to behavior 
But the heart change is what makes the difference. And on this series, this is what it's about. It is allowing us to examine our hearts and figuring out the power behind that. In Scripture, the heart seems to be the place that decisions come from. That the emotions, intellect, spiritual, all this stuff comes together. And it, it's at some point in our heart, as Scripture calls it, that we take all this information and we decide, this is what I'm going to do with it. How many understand it's not just information? We have more than enough information to not sin ever again. How many agree? Information never has kept me from sinning. I know what I'm not supposed to do, and I do it. It just it's, This is the spirit part is where I take everything and I make a decision. This is what I'm going to do. And when we look at this, this is what the Bible calls heart. It is this place that begins to structure our life. The decisions we make from those points begin to be the skeleton to what our life looks like. And so when Christ is looking, kind of like sharing this stuff with us, this is what it's about. He's like, How do you want your life to be structured? How do you want the skeleton to look? That's what we want to look at. Uh, I want to share a couple of scriptures with you here. Kind of Jesus talking about the heart. Matthew 15, 16. He says this. Don't you understand yet? Jesus answered or Jesus asked. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes to the sewer. But the words you speak come from your heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. He was dealing with a group of people that understood their culture. And they understood this is what it means to, to be holy. You are here today maybe because this is part of your culture. And this is what you do. You wake up on Sunday morning and you, you come here. And you, you participate and you do whatever. But it can become such a culture. And Christ says, you know something? What makes you holy is not this event. It's this heart. It's what's going on in the heart that we've got to look at. Proverbs uh, lays it out amazingly for us. Just Proverbs 4.23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Some of the first thing we try to do as Christians is modify our behavior to be accepted here. Don't raise your hand, but have you, have you ever had or heard this conversation? Well, you know, I'm, I'm really going to try to stop cussing. I, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop lying, or I'm going to stop smoking, or I'm going to stop drinking. It, we start with all these external things to try to make ourselves like maybe welcome in here, maybe acceptable in here. Whatever it is with the culture, whatever that is, I'm going to dress the right way. Uh, my wife is going to help me. She's been helping me so much because I have one arm. Can make several trips. Okay. Can you make it? This is my wife, Kelly. Everybody say hi, Kelly. We celebrated 29 years, January 9th. She needs, she needs all the encouragement she can. She, she does. This is... This is our heart. When we're talking about this illustration or this idea that Jesus was giving, I love that Jesus spoke to people 
according to, he, he talked about fishing. He talked about farming. He talked about, and it wasn't because we understand that, but it was because the people that he was talking to were farmers and fishermen. He tried to make it something that we can understand. This is the simplest thing. I'm a very simple guy. And this is something that I, I need some pictures. How many need pictures? I need pictures. Um, I don't read directions. I look at the pictures there. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, let's try that. And so this is the heart and the understanding that this is what we do. We, can you do that? And I don't know how the lighting, okay, cool, that's great. Can you see that? We've got some good clear water there. The Bible says, Whatever is inside of our heart is going to be the path that we take. It's going to be what comes out. What is inside you is what's going to come out. And so the understanding is I I want this this God stuff to come out. I want this purity to come out. And I I try to do all this stuff, but I I don't understand why, why I'm not getting the results that I want. And then we look at this next Hopefully it's dark enough. We tried to add a little bit more coffee. All right. Having to see that color change right there. The understanding is that it, it's not what was affected on the outside. Thank you, baby. She hates being up here. It's, it's not what is going on on the outside that we're battling with so much. Oh, we, we work so hard on this outside. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll try to clean this thing up. I, I, will, I will do whatever I can. Maybe I'll get some stronger detergent next time. And I will scrub, man. I will scrub outside. And, and maybe I'll just cover it. Make it look better. I mean, I do whatever I can to the external. And Christ is going, you know what? It has nothing to do with what's going on out here. It's all with what you have inside this heart. And you keep trying to understand, why do I keep producing this stuff in my life? I don't understand it. And Christ comes right to it and goes, it's not what is on the outside that is defiling you. It's not going to be what is on the outside that changes you. There's something that's going on inside the heart that is producing something like this. And I look at that and I'm like, as we examine this heart attack idea, this series Check our hearts. Uh, God, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would just speak to us and um, make, it, make it real, make it understandable. Here we go. We're going to be looking at anger. Rick gave me this verse to start off with, with anger. Kind of made me mad, but, you know, I'm all right. Um, I don't know why he keeps giving me these things. Um, but we, we look at this, and here's a couple, just un, a little bit of understanding, uh, not even going into Scripture, just some basic understanding of anger and biblical view. Because we have, depending on how you were brought up, depending on your religious teachings and understanding, we have some, some goofy ideas. And those ideas, they will direct how we respond to anger. So a couple, just summing up biblical view of anger here. Anger is unavoidable. I want you to understand that first of all. Anger is an emotion. It's not a failure. It's an emotion. How many have emotions? How many hate emotion? Anybody? I, I hate emotion. I don't mind emotion out of you. I hate emotion out of me. I want, I want to be like logical. I don't want emotions to get in the way. I just want to make sure that, that this is it. I hate them. 
the way that God wired me and the way that God wired you is that emotions are going to happen. Part of being healthy is that we have emotions. Maybe we're not ruled by our emotions, but we have emotions. You are going to have times that you get angry. It's a spontaneous thing. Just boom, I get angry. That's going to happen. That's unavoidable. The next thing is this. Anger is not a sin. It's not a sin. Um, we look at this, and I, like I said, depending on how you are raised, um, sometimes people are, are punished severely for any kind of like, emotional outbreak on being angry or something. It, it's not a sin. Um, we see that Jesus got angry. And I, I know the reason that he got angry was of what was going on within the church that he was there. And can you imagine that, though? Can, how many don't like some things that go on in churches sometimes? There's, come on, be honest. Look at me. I mean, this church is wonderful, okay? I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about those other churches out there, okay? He saw what was going on in there, and he walked in there, and he just released this, this anger that he had, this frustration that he had. Um, it was interesting when you read scripture about him kicking over the tables, flipping these tables over, making whips, and driving these people out. As Americans, we go, oh, what in the what? I mean, that's not my Jesus wouldn't do that. Your Jesus did that. Your Jesus is not American. Your Jesus is Middle Eastern. I'm sorry, he doesn't, he doesn't look like a surfer. He's from the Middle East, okay? If you've ever watched any news on the Middle East, there's a little bit different way that they express emotions than from the controlled American. Anybody seen that before? Where the we don't even want to express grief, and you'll watch when they are crying over a death or whatever. There is, there is, I mean, it is out in the street. When they are angry, there's a difference. And it is not an out-of-control thing. It is just this is a different culture. So when we are reading Scripture and it says Jesus got angry and he went into this temple, it wouldn't be like how we would make it very Americanized and go, you guys are bad. You need to stop that. This is a Middle Eastern man in a Middle Eastern culture getting upset at what was going on in his father's house, in God's house. And he went in, he got mad. Anger is not a sin. But when you look at scripture, it says that if we begin to live there, if it begins to be a habit or a pattern in our life, that's when it becomes destructive. That's when it becomes foolish. Um, so we just got to kind of comprehend that. The truth is you're going to get angry. Maybe you didn't get angry this morning. It may be tomorrow. Um, it's going to happen. Um, anybody have like that intensity that builds up as you're driving? Never. I, I feel like I'm one of the most patient men. Some reason when I get behind the wheel of that car, something changes. And the person in front of me just, the light turned green. And they just sit there. And I mean, it's been like two seconds and they haven't even moved. And there's something that happens within me that stops any kind of conversation that we're having in the car. And I just begin to go, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Now I'm saying this in the car. So my wife is just looking at me like, what in the world are you doing? 
or you're coming around a corner. And I don't know if the person doesn't want to flip their car or what they're scared of, but they're doing like one mile an hour around the turn, and you're like, oh my goodness! Anybody else like that at all? Maybe you've seen it in TV or something like that. There is just something about emotions and the reality of what we deal with in life is that we are going to have times of anger. The trouble is when that becomes that pattern or that place that we live. Clarification. Um, well, we're going we're to read this Matthew um, 5, 21, where we want to start, start looking into this. Jesus is taking a culture that is based on rules, that is based on um, a lot of tradition, and he is coming in it to mess with it. My favorite part. Here we go. He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. That was their, their line of anger. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Driving, I've never killed anyone. I've yelled at some people inside my car. I, I have freaked out a couple times. But I've never, I've, I've never killed anybody. So anger-wise, according to their old tradition, I've rocked. I'm pretty good. My kids, I have one son that is married and lives in Phoenix. I have one son that is in college and lives in Kalamazoo. They are both still living. As a parent, I've made it. I didn't kill them. I must not have had any anger at all, ever. Because that was the anger mark right there. I'm like, cool, that's easy. It's all external. Jesus comes into that mindset, and then he says this. Now, I'm going to change it up. In verse 22, he says this. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call somebody an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. If you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. How many just know we just lost it right there? I mean, like, are you serious, dude? Give me a break, man. I mean, how, we can't live by that. That's ridiculous. It, I, it, it's, it's crazy. This is with a clarification that I want to give you. This is not meant to be a tool of judgment against other people. I, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but we are great in the church at judging people. Yeah, yeah laughter. I like that. Um, we have the ability to take a scripture and just run with it like a club. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, you got angry. Oh, you called me a fool. That's crazy. This is not talking about verbs. and, and This is talking about as far our verbiage on that. It is talking about this heart problem that's going on. It has nothing to do with being a tool to attack somebody. It's not about judgment. It's also not about guilt. Some of us are great at inflicting guilt on ourselves. That, why well, I, I, I'm never going to measure up. I get angry. I, I have, I have sometimes that I've, I've said like, stupid or fool or something. I can't believe that. I mean, I, I, I'm. In, this is not about guilt. It's not about judging someone else, but it's not about guilt um, to bring condemnation on yourself. Let's begin to redirect that thinking of this. Ephesians four twenty six through twenty seven. This is what it says. And don't sin by letting anger do what? Control you. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For, and this is huge. For anger gives 
a foothold to the devil. I don't really understand it. I just know this is what the Bible says. There's something about when I begin to place anger within my heart that the enemy uses this like some kind of tool, some kind of opening in my life. That what it begins to produce is not what God intended. It is what the enemy wants to do in my life. There's something about anger that is a tool for the enemy. When we look at the, the scripture, um, I want us to read this, this Matthew 22 again, 522. And I want you to look at this specifically on how it progresses. There's like three stages of it. It's, it's like, check this out. Here we go. We'll just say it. Stage one, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. It's almost like, okay, you are going to be judged. How many know that you are known already by your behavior? Everybody know that? At work, people have a, an idea of what they think you're like. We have some angry people at work sometimes. Um, in the construction field, I work in the construction field, and we know some guys that are angry. And you would think we would avoid them, but we like to play with those guys. It's just fun. I don't know why. Pray for us, all right? There's something about this first one of judgment that maybe, maybe it's about making a conclusion that, that people just around us kind of look around and go, oh, that's, a, that's an angry person. The second one, stage two, says... If you call somebody an idiot or a fool, you are in danger of being brought before the court. There's a legal system getting involved in there. It was their Sanhedrin. It was in a religious society. So they would bring you then before court. And how many understand that anger escalates into the authorities getting involved sometimes? Anybody like watching the show Cops? Anybody at all? Man, it just makes me feel good about my life. I'm like, oh, this is good. This is great. There's anger that has escalated in the majority of those things. And um, some authority has been called in now. And it's, it's breaking loose. It's crazy. Stage three. If you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. And, and the, the correct understanding of that is there was this trash pile outside of town that burned 24-7. This is where they would discard their rubbish and everything. And they would throw the bodies of those that were like reprobates, the, the thieves, those people that, that were rejected from society, that were just useless to us. There was no respect for them, um, no honor for them as, as they died. Their bodies would be thrown into this fire to just like, you're just trash. The Bible is referring in this thing to saying, hey, you reach a point when anger begins to produce this in your life that, you're like these reprobates that just were of no value to these people. It begins to damage you that much and damage those around you. It's an amazing thing because I think when we look around our society today, we, we, try, to, we try to deal with anger a lot of times in our society with laws. We have laws that keep anger from spilling into the workplace, hopefully. We have, ang we have laws that keep it from going into our schools. We have laws that try to keep it from coming into our, our places of worship, our different, different religions or whatever it may be. We have these laws. And how many understand we don't have a law problem, we have a heart problem. 
the law is not going to change hearts. It's not because I'm not aware of the law that I break the law. It's because my heart has so much junk in it that I break the law. Christ, when he was looking at all this stuff, he's like, you know, the words, the stuff that's coming out of you, you're trying to deal with that. It's not... It's not the law's problem. It is there's this heart issue going on. And I look at it like this, is that whatever we fill ourselves with, whatever our our heart is full of, it it would be like me taking coffee from the back. How many like the coffee in the back? You You need some coffee to make it through a sermon. Anybody? Sure. I need some coffee to make it through a sermon sometimes. It's like the, the coffee cups back there that have the lids. Anybody ever not made it back to your seat with a full cup? You are talking and maybe you run into somebody. Whatever's on the inside of this spills out. I run into somebody. I'm, I'm coming through. The, I'm trying to get back up here real quick by my wife. And, and I run into somebody and it spills out a little bit. I don't, I don't intend it to, but it spills out. In my mind, I think this is a great understanding of how our heart responds and how it affects the people around us. Is that whatever's inside me, no matter how hard I try, I'm going to be bumped. Life is, <laughs> life is going to bump me. And I'm going to spill out whatever's inside me. And whatever that is, is going to get on the people around me. It affects my family. I, I walk in and I spill this on my family. I walk, go to work, and I, I spill this there. I, I'm in the, the aisle number 10 at Myers and freak out because what are you people doing? And this spills out. Whatever's in my heart when I'm bumped is going to spill out. And so it's a matter of going, God, what do you want to do? How do you, how do you begin to change all that stuff? And so I want us to, to begin to look at that. I think we are meant to have a heart that can receive and respond to people and to God with love and compassion. But there's something about anger that stops that from happening. Anger has a way of suppressing everything that God wants to do. I, the reality is we've been married 29 years and we've had a fight before. We have. I know it's hard to believe. Um, we've had a fight before. In fact, some of our best fights have been on mission trips. Oh, man. Man. Yeah, you're, you're the best thing. I have plans. I, I'm no longer in dad mode. I'm no longer in husband mode. I'm in minister mode. And I've got things to accomplish. And I'm, and she is there helping me. And she is only there because I've asked her to be there. And she's doing all this stuff. And somehow we, we get a little bit discombobulated in our communication. And... Um, I freak out. I'm like, oh my goodness. And um, she's like, I'll never come with you again. Well, that's what I want. Never come with me again. I'm like, well, this is, this, this is just, it's part of life. And it's not like the, a great part of life, but it's just a reality that we, we deal with that. And so how do we respond to this? I think that, that when we look at this, if I'm supposed to have a heart that can love my wife, it is not a heart that tolerates my wife. It is a heart that is full of flesh that God can, can fill with love so that I can love her. If I am supposed to love you, it can't be just this make-believe we tolerate each other love. 
It has to be this love that is given from God that is way above me that can be put into a heart of flesh and I can respond to you. I can love you. And there's something about life and anger. And as you go through life and anger begins to build up, it begins to fill this cup with something that we don't want. And it begins to make that heart so hard that how I want to respond is not how I respond. I want to do it different. And Christ is going, we've got to start examining the heart. We've got to start looking at that. So how do we respond to this passage of Scripture? I think the first thing is we've got to stop and do some honest evaluation about what's going on in our own heart. We've got to stop. How many understand that to bring change, you've got to stop what you're doing? Sometimes we are so freaking busy that God doesn't have a chance. We, we have great intentions, but we don't give God the time to speak into us. I may do devotions, I may read my scripture, I may do all this stuff, I may come to church, but it is so ingrained in me, it is such a, a, just a pattern that I do, that I don't pause for a minute and just go, God... And what do you want to do in me? What do you, what do you, how am I doing? Am I doing okay? After sermons, I usually um, go to my wife and go, did that make any sense at all? I mean, did that? Uh, I need some kind of evaluation to know, did it? People are just staring at me like, would you shut up? Um, can, you, can you help me there? And she'll, she'll go, okay, cool. Yeah, you did fine. It's good. Come on, let's go. Um, whatever. She'll, she'll encourage me on this stuff. We need, we need some honest evaluation, though. We don't need to justify um, what's happening because there's always chaos in our life. I mean, there's hurts or stuff like that. But we've got to look around and go, what's the effect that this having on my family? What's the effect that it's having on those around me? You can't go through life with anger in your heart and have it not affect people. How is it really affecting people? Look at the relationship issues. How many understand that there are patterns that we get into? And for some reason, when we get into these patterns of destruction in our life, we're surprised each time they happen. Like, oh, look, there's another broken relationship. Oh, look, there's another broken relationship. Oh, there's an. And if you look back in your life, you're going, wow, there is a pattern of broken relationships. There's a pattern of, of anger following me. We've got to honestly evaluate by looking at our relationships and, and seeing, is there some pattern like that going on? I think a huge thing is God puts people in our life to speak life into us. How many hate that? Anybody hate that for real? I mean, like scripturally, I understand it. I, I, scripturally, I understand that, hey, um, we need somebody that will speak into our lives. And I challenge you to find somebody healthy that will speak truth into your life. There's something about when we are unhealthy, we go to another unhealthy person to ask for advice. It, it's like those that are dating. They're dating some psychotic person and this relationship is just a mess. They do not go to a healthy couple to ask advice. They go to another psychotic friend and go, hey, what do you think about Billy? You like him? I mean, he's really, he's been out of jail for a year now and you know, it's really good. What do you think? And they go, oh, Oh, this is amazing. I mean, I've been with five guys the last five weeks, but I know true love and I see it in you. So yes, this, what in the world are we talking about? If you want to really know what's going on in your life, ask some observers. Sometimes we get so deep into our life that we can't 
honestly observe. There's some healthy people that God has put in your life. Maybe it's one. Ask them, hey, how am I doing on anger? Do you see that as an issue? I've had people sit me down, and it wasn't necessarily for anger. Sometimes it was just for being a jerk. And they just said, hey, dude, um, I appreciate you and I love you, but you're a jerk right now. I'm like, oh. And I don't respond like, oh, well, bless you. Lord, love you and go in grace and peace. At that moment, I'm going, well, you're a jerk too, man. You know, uh. But I pull away from that, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak into me and goes, yeah, you're a jerk, man. And I'm like, wow, thank you. Uh, and I, I, th- this was one of the instances was an intern that I remember that just just stood up to me and said, yeah, you're wrong on this, and you're treating me wrong. And I'm like, and I ushered him out of my office, and then it was later on that same day that I'm like, oh, my gosh, he is so right. I couldn't even see that. And then I have talked to him over and over about going, thank you for being God's voice in my life. I need somebody honest and who works with me to say, stop it. This is what's going on. Listen to the Holy Spirit, too. The Holy Spirit will confirm what other If somebody just says, you're a jerk, and the Holy Spirit doesn't confirm that, maybe we're not listening. But sometimes, sometimes people are just angry at us. But I think the Holy Spirit will confirm. I know that I, anybody have the DNA to be a jerk? I, that's in my DNA. I don't know why. It's just there. And so the Lord has to keep working on me. And I have people in my life that will be honest. Did somebody raise somebody else's hand about being a jerk? I just, oh, no, I'm kidding, kidding. <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord just keeps working on me. And he puts these people in my life that I don't even want to hear from. And they'll speak something into my life. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe that. Nah. And yet God uses it to bring life to me. This is the thing, I think. To purify this and to get it to produce life, I have to choose humility over pride. And I hate that. I love to be right. I love to look like I have it all together. And yet the reality is I'm a broken mess that needs a God that knows how to correct me and to speak into my life, or I will fall into a pattern of looking healthy in front of you, but being a mess behind the scenes. And what God is trying to do is to speak into us and go, man, you can't impress me because I already see behind all the stuff. So quit trying to impress me, and let me just work on this part. Let's work on cleaning this stuff up. And so as we look at this, I think that's just a, a huge thing. Make sure the Holy Spirit is speaking into This is the, the um, little part of Scripture that infuriates me when I read it. it. It didn't this time, but earlier it did. 23 says this. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at an altar, um, at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Keeps on going and it says this. Um, when, when you are on your way to court with your adversary, um, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer who will, and you will be thrown into prison. 
And if that happens, you will surely won't be free again until you pay every last cent. And we're going to look at that. But the first one is just this, this thing that infuriates me whenever I'm angry is that he says, hey, if you're in church and you know this thought comes to your mind of going, man, I've been a jerk. Hey, why don't you just get up from here and go deal with that? That's how powerful that is. It's saying in the middle of church, in the middle of your, know that it's that important to reconcile. And what I, what I like about this and what I don't like is that when I'm dealing with anger, reconciliation is the furthest thing from my mind. Anybody ever been angry before? You have heard me tell this story over and over, but just in case you're just tracking with me for the first time, um, this, you guys have been our place of refuge for the last like two and a half years. We were, we were in ministry for 21 years. We were at a church um, for 16 um, behind the scenes. Um, I was let go and it was look, it looked like a celebration. Hey, they're going somewhere else. And I was actually fired behind the scenes and it was a huge, ugly thing. It, it derailed us completely. We sat right back there in the back trying to be invisible here. Um, not wanting to talk to anybody, um, hating worship, hating everything. And there was a lot of anger. So when I talk about anger, it's not because I'm like, Oh, I remember being angry one time. Dude, I remember living in this cesspool of anger. And that because of hurt, what happens is hurt people hurt people. You understand that? So when you think that you are keeping all this inside yourself, the reality is it's spilling out. And it's causing injury to other people. And God is not speaking to us to try to get us past this thing and go, hey, just, just forget about it. I don't know if I'll ever be reconciled with this one pastor. What this scripture is telling me to do is going in your anger that you're in right now, you've offended some people. You have hurt some people because you can be a jerk. Did I tell you that already? So in my anger, I will go home and I'll be a jerk. I'm hurt that life didn't turn out the way I thought. I'm mad. I will respond that way at work. Rick will talk to me and tell me something that offends me and I will be a jerk. And the reality is what this scripture is asking me to do is to deal with those that I have been a jerk to. Where do I start? I start with those people I've affected. I go to Rick and I go, Rick, I'm sorry, man. I go to my wife and I go, Kelly, I'm sorry. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. But if you ever want to get past anger, you don't start at that huge thing. You start on what you have done. We can't control anybody else, but I can control what I have done. And I want to be different than any other heart around me. I want God to be able to use me in your life or in somebody else's life in a, in a huge way. And it's not to be impressive, but it's just to let you know that God is real. And the only way that that happens is if my heart is really touched by God. It has to be a changing going on in here. When we look at this, the scripture, let's just go through it here. First goal is this, evaluate your heart. That's what we've been talking about. The second goal is to to deal with what keeps our heart unhealthy or what, deal with what keeps our heart alive. And this is what I really think. We start with this. We start where we can. You start with, with dealing with the things that you've done. You make it a top priority. I really like it 
Um, I like the idea that, that Jesus is saying here, that this dude was in the middle of doing something, and he remembered where he was a jerk at. And he left that there. He, I mean, we, we were like, oh, well, we don't want to be interrupted. He left that right there, and he went and dealt with that person he had hurt. Hurt people hurt people. And he was dealing with that. Number two is this. Don't wait for it to be convenient. How many understand apologizing is never convenient? Oh my goodness. That can be the most awkward. I'm just waiting. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Um, give me. Give me opportunity. Show me when to do this. And guess what? He never shows me. I'm like, uh, that's cool. I like it. I'm not looking for it. man. I'm really not wanting to apologize. The reality is I've got to go beyond what I feel because what I feel is that I, I, feel, I, I feel pride coming up. I feel excuses coming up. And if I want to get to where I need to be as this, this man of God, I've got to allow humility to just enter this heart. How do I get humbled? It's through humbling things. I go, and Kelly, I'm sorry. Jordan, Jeremy, that's my kids. Jordan, Jeremy, I'm sorry, man. I didn't, uh, I'm sorry about that. Rick, I'm sorry. There's something about releasing that and dealing with what I have done that begins to bring healing and God begins to say, you know something? I, I, I'm, I'm ready to take you. I'm ready to make this heart a heart of flesh and, and bring you to that next step. In verse 25 and 26, he was talking about um, paying, paying off the thing financially. But I just look at it, and, and just kind of summing this up, is that the longer we wait on apologizing, the more it costs us. The longer I wait to deal with strife between Kelly and I, the more offenses happen. The more my heart gets, gets harder. The more distant our relationships get. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, whatever it, whatever it is, the enemy is going to tell you over and over, it's no big deal, don't worry about it. And yet to get your heart where it needs to be, where it can respond to people and respond to God, you need to just humble and go, cool, I'm going to do it. I had rather over-apologize, even though I hate apologizing, and let God make my heart a heart of flesh than to keep something in there. I will apologize to guys at work. Go, man, I didn't mean to be a jerk. Man, I, I got two hours of sleep last night, and your voice was bothering me. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, okay? And um, they'll be like, dude, you didn't say anything. You didn't offend me. And I'm like, well, I just want to make sure that, that we're cool, okay? We can train ourselves to be a humble person just like we can train ourselves to be an angry person. The last thing is this, Romans 12, 18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. We are not always going to be able to mend every relationship. There's going to be some things that I say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And they're going to go, hey, get away from me. Don't ever talk to me again. I don't have the power to change that. But what I'm responsible for is responding to what God is asking me to do. I've got to step up and go, I want a heart that produces something that is godly. So that whenever it spills out on people, that it's not just jerk buzz, that it is God covering me. And that it, it, it doesn't injure and it doesn't, it doesn't harm. 
we've got to allow God to bring that change. But the first thing is going, God, be real with me about my heart. Evaluate my heart. I just want to end in prayer real quick, and then they'll, they'll kick into this song. Father, I thank you for honesty. I thank you, Lord, that it, it is such a hard thing to be humbled. But Lord, I pray that you would humble our hearts. I pray for relationships that are within this place even today, whether it is a husband and wife, maybe parents and kids, um, just friends. God, I pray that where the enemy wants to destroy, that you would come in and you would bring peace, you would bring healing, and you would bring restoration. I pray for the peace of God to overrun the anger in our hearts. I pray for that hurt that just keeps boiling within us, that nobody seems to notice. God, I pray that you would let their hearts know that you are right there with them, that you are aware of their hurt. You have not forgotten them. Bring us hearts of flesh. In Jesus' name, amen.